Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing this week's Live Golf event, Live DC, being played in Potomac Falls, Virginia. This is coming the week after the PGA Championship at Oak Hill, where a lot of the Live golfers were in action for that as well. So a lot of these guys were on our TV screens last weekend, and this weekend they're going to be back on our TV screens just on the CW with kind of a Formula One-like leaderboard on the left. Hey, not complaining. I think the live broadcast does a lot of things, right? But just letting you know, they're going to be on a different network this week. Now, if you are new here at Mike's Money Picks, we did preview this week's PGA Tour event, the Charles Schwab Challenge, on yesterday's episode. So make sure you check out uh, the episode feed uh, and go listen to that if you're interested in playing DFS betting or one and done for the Charles Schwab Challenge. Here on this episode, we're going to talk about DFS and betting for the live event, Live DC. We're going to break down the course itself, and then we're going to hopefully give out some winners and talk about how we can construct a DFS lineup here in the second half of the episode. Now, if you are new here, please hit that subscribe button. It'll really help me out. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. We will be covering PGA Tour Golf and Live Golf all summer long, and we're also going to have a lot of season-long fantasy football content coming your way as well. We've dropped our five strategies for best ball drafting, if you're interested in best ball fantasy football, as well as dropped our rookie rankings for the 2023 season as well. Check that out on the episode feed if you have not already. Also, we are now on Underdog Fantasy, uh, and we have a promo code on there. It is my personal account that the promo code is going off of. It is mconnolly88. If you deposit on Underdog Fantasy, you will have your first deposit matched up to $100 if you enter that promo code. If you need help spelling it, check out my Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. It is in the pinned tweet. Um, it'll really help you out if you're interested in doing player props on Underdog or drafting on Underdog. Unfortunately, they don't have live golf events on there yet, but the PGA Tour does have player props and drafts taking place on Underdog. I highly recommend giving it a shot and using that promo code to get your first deposit matched. Now, Live Golf is kind of in a very precarious state right now because they did just have the first active Live Golfer win a major in Brooks Koepka at the PGA Championship. However, for Live itself, it's probably like the last guy they would have wanted to win and to be the first live golfer to win a major. I think a lot of the public doesn't really identify Brooks as a live guy. He doesn't wear the live gear. There was not like a mob of live people at the 18th green there to celebrate with him. Greg Norman wasn't there to celebrate. It wasn't like a whole lot of live golfers there with him. He kind of operates in his own way and in his own manner. It's kind of what he did when he was on the PGA Tour as well. So it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition for live golf that they can tout a major champion, but it's not a major champion that people associate with live golf. So it's just kind of a very interesting place to be in. I definitely think that when you look at what's happening with this Live Golf Tour, uh, the money is going to either start to run out or they're going to have to find new ways to make it. Uh, the TV deal with the CW, it's good that they're on national television, but it's bad that the CW chooses to run reruns as opposed to the playoff of the Live Golf event in Tulsa. So I, I don't know. I don't really think a lot of things are going right for Live, but the fact that Kepka won the, the PGA Championship definitely can't hurt. And all in all, it kind of... The main effect that I'm feeling for Live Golf right now is it makes the majors a lot more fun because you get to see all these guys back in action with their PGA Tour uh, companions, uh, and you just get the best fields in golf you know, for the four majors. Whereas now this week, we've got two decent 
fields at the Charles Schwab Challenge and at Live DC, but instead, you know, we don't get like the one big mega field except for four times a year at the major. And I don't know how long that's going to keep continuing if the official world golf rankings doesn't find some way to adapt to the Live Tour and admit that the Live Tour is currently the second best tour on planet Earth. I think that Live, their roster is better than the DP World Tour and the Corn Ferry Tour. So um, it's going to be interesting for sure to see how all this plays out, but it definitely doesn't hurt Live Golf itself. That Brooks Kepka did end up winning the PGA Championship. Now, in terms of scheduling, we're, we're kind of a unique spot right here because I thought a lot of the Live guys went to Live. You know, kind of Dustin Johnson quoted on Full Swing is saying, I'm getting paid more money to play less golf. Well, you know, if both of, or if any of the Live guys played in both majors, the Masters and the PGA, they will have now played after this week in seven of nine weeks. They went straight from Live Orlando to the Masters, had a week off, and then had Live Adelaide and Live Singapore, had a week off, and then had Live Tulsa, the PGA Championship, and Live DC. So it's been quite the ride for any Live guys who are still qualified for all the majors. And so you might start to see a little bit of kind of wear and tear on some of those guys. I don't think it's exactly likely. I think Live events, live events are a lot less physically demanding than a 72-hole major championship. But hey, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the field ends up playing this week here at Live DC. Like I said, we're going to go ahead and end the intro here. We're going to preview the course, and then we're going to talk about some picks. So let's take a quick break and get a quick word from our friends at Spotify, and then let's talk about our course preview. All right, so Live DC is going to be played this week at Trump National Golf Course in Potomac Falls, Virginia. Side note, all politics aside, not exactly a fan of just naming a golf course after an individual, especially when that individual didn't design it. Just feels a little out of place, in my opinion. I really like the old stereotypical take the name of a tree and then take a geographical feature and make it the name of the golf course, right? Like Oak Hill we saw last week, you know, Pine Valley in New Jersey. Just near me in North Carolina, there's Oak Hollow, there's Holly Ridge. There's all kinds of formulas of, you know, golf courses where you just take a tree and a geographical feature, boom, there's your golf course name, right? I, maybe I'm old school for that, but it's just something that I, I've kind of noticed with a lot of golf course names. I kind of enjoy it that way. You kind of get a little bit of a vibe for it as opposed to just naming it after a person. Anyway, that. That was a just a side note. So Trump National is a par 72, 7,500 yards is what it's going to play at this week here for Live DC. It is a link style golf course, but it's still an American link style golf course. So don't expect this to look like the coast of Scotland or the coast of Ireland, but it can be played in more of a link style where you know, it's going to be a little bit firm and fast. There's going to be some bunkers. You're going to have to, you know, have some creative shots into big greens, but it's definitely not going to look like St. Andrews out there, right? So I don't think that this is a true apples to apples comparison for an open championship, but Lynx Golf does have a little bit of a unique style for it. Now, this course does play firm and fast, and you're going to need to have a little bit of skill to get up and down. That's another um, feature of Lynx Golf is you're going to have to have a little bit of creativity in the short game if you want to get up and down for par. So I definitely think that guys who have a good short game get a little bit of a boost this week, right? Now, this course also has bent grass greens, um, which is what we just saw at Oak Hill last week. So, you know, the Northeast United States, not really super shocker there. Now, it was also designed by Tom Fazio. More on that later. 
Looking at the scorecard, it features one drivable par four that's about 320 yards. So pretty much everybody's going to be going for the green on that one. Longer hitters are probably going to have a really easy time getting to the green in one and having an eagle putt. And then all four of the par threes at Trump National are over 200 yards. Extremely long par threes here at this course. Not too dissimilar from what we saw at Oak Hill where three of the four on any given day were, you know, really long par threes. Now, also, when you look at kind of the flyover on their website, there's not a whole lot of penalty for missing the fairway. There are trees on this course, but they're pretty wide. Like, really, it's just like rough and bunkers if you miss the fairway, and I don't think the rough is going to be that penal. Distance is going to be a huge advantage. There has been one professional golf event hosted here. It was a senior PGA championship, and it was won by Bernard Longer who is a fairly good links player in his own right, but he was one of the longest hitters on the Champions Tour. Now, he's not a long hitter, you know, for the, the PGA Tour or for the Live Tour, but he is one of the longer hitters on the Champions Tour, so I do expect length to give you a major advantage here at this course. Now, if you're looking for different comp courses to kind of compare it to, there are a few Tom Fazio designs that are still being played on the PGA Tour that we can kind of get a little bit of history from, from a lot of these Live guys. Now, the first one is Quail Hollow, which is home of the Wells Fargo Championship. Guys who have played well there include Patrick Reed, Abraham Anser, Louis Ustazen, and Pat Perez. There's also Firestone Country Club in Ohio, which is home of the WGC Bridgestone Invitational. Now, that event was held yearly on the PGA Tour um, starting around the turn of the millennium up until about 2018. Um, I believe 2018 was the last event held at Firestone. So you got a little bit of dated history. But in the last edition of that event, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Anderbon Lahiri, Ian Poulter, and Mark Leishman all finished in the top 20. In the 2017 edition of that event, Thomas Peters and Paul Casey were in the top five. Dustin Johnson won the event in 2016 with uh, Charles Schwartzel and Brandon Grace in the top 10. That's going quite a ways back, so I'm not going to go further back than that, but just some guys that had success at that Fazio design. Now, Congaree is another one. It's the last uh, true Tom Fazio design that is played on the PGA Tour. It was host of the Palmetto Championship in 2021 and the CJ Cup in 2022, but most of the guys that we're talking about today were on live by the CJ Cup in 2022. So um, you do have a little bit of data from the Palmetto Championship. You got DJ and Pat Perez who finished T10, Danny Lee T19, Ian Poulter and Anderbon Lahiri T25. Now, I also think you could look at a little bit of results from open championships in the past to kind of get a vibe for if these guys can play Lynx golf. Uh, so some guys with good finishes at open championships, you got Brooks Kepka with four top tens, Dustin Johnson with four top tens, Bryson DeChambeau, surprisingly T8 last year at St. Andrews. Louis Oosthuizen has three top three finishes at open championships. Phil Mickelson has won an open championship. If you go way back in the day, Lee Westwood and Mark Leishman have had really good finishes and really contended at multiple open championships. And then the obvious one, Cam Smith did win last year's open championship at St. Andrews. Now, in terms of other comp courses, you know, there is another American Lynx golf course that has been played on the PGA Tour, and that is Whistling Straits, which is home of the 2015 PGA Championship. It's very lengthy as well. I think it might be a decent comparison, although that one the topography and geography of that one is definitely different from what you're going to see here at Trump National, but it definitely is you know, fitting the description of an American link style courts with a lot of windswept bunkers with firm and fast terrain and a lot of length to it as well. Now in that PGA championship, yeah, Brandon Grace finished third. It was won by Jason Day and Jordan Spieth was the runner up. The first live guy was Brandon Grace at third. Anderbon Lahiri and Brooks Kepka were T5. Dustin Johnson was T7 at that event. 
I also think that you can look a little bit at the results from last week's PGA Championship at Oak Hill for a little bit of comp course um, knowledge. You know, it is also in the Northeast United States. It is also bent grass greens. It is also a long golf course where length did give you an advantage. So it's not the worst comparison to look at Oak Hill. However, I think the absolute best comparison for Trump National is Caves Valley, which is home of the 2021 BMW Championship. Listen to these similarities. It's in Maryland, which is, you know, the DMV near um, Potomac Falls, Virginia, not too far from it. It's also designed by Tom Fazio. And it's very long. Length was its only defense. This place turned into a birdie fest just because people were just able to bomb and gouge and hit a lot of greens and hit a lot of birdie putts. And I think this can kind of turn into that if it doesn't end up playing like super difficult. I think that's definitely a possibility for this week. In that event, Patrick Cantlay was your winner. Bryson DeChambeau lost in a playoff. Sergio Garcia and Dustin Johnson were T6. Abraham Answer T9. Harold Varno III T12. And then Jason Kokrak T15. Um, those are the notable finishes from that event. That was a 70-person field um, at that BMW championship. All right, so that does it for the course preview. That's kind of what we're looking at, at, at for Trump National this week. I think the distance is going to play a huge factor. I think that the link style is going to play a little bit of a factor. But like, hey, at the end of the day, good golf is good golf. I don't think there's going to be a super big punishment for missing the fairway. So I don't think accuracy is a prerequisite this week. Just give me guys who can ball strike, guys who can make birdie putts, and guys who, if they miss the green, have the short game chops to get up and down. All right, so let's take a look at the golfers and see who that guy might be for this week. But first, let's take a quick break. All right, so sitting at the top of the betting board and at the top of the DFS board this week is none other than the reigning PGA champion, Brooks Kepka. Now, honestly... I'm probably not going to play Kepka in DFS this week. I'm probably not going to bet him to win this week. I just, I really don't like the idea of playing him after a major win. Like, Brooks has pretty much said as much on pardon my take. Like, hey, don't expect much from me for Live DC this week because I'm having a really good time right now. He was photographed at the Fort Florida Panthers game Monday night. Looked like... He was having a good time, if I'm being honest. Um, and so I just really don't think that he's fully focused on winning this event like he was at the PGA last week. I'm not expecting a win. Obviously, with his skill level and with like his ability level, the ceiling is still a win in this tournament, right? But the, I think the floor is more like a 20th place finish, and I definitely think we see closer to the floor for Brooks Kepka than the ceiling for Brooks Kepka this week here at LibDC. Now, also... If you're interested in knowing his stats in playing after a major championship win, he has came in 50th, T8, and T19 in his three starts right after a major win when he was on the PGA Tour. Um, the other major, he literally waited a month before he played again, and he went from major to major. Um, and so I didn't really count that one. I think that's not really um, what I'm looking for. I really want to know how he did the week after or two weeks after a major win. And it was 50th, T18, and T19. So I just see this as being about like an 11th to 15th place finish out of Brooks this week. And I'm just not getting behind that at the top of the DFS board or at the top of the betting board. Now, Dustin Johnson is next up. He's a guy I like a lot this week. He is the defending champ of the last live event, Live Tulsa. Um, he ended up coming in 55th place at the PGA after having a really hot start on Thursday and Friday. He just kind of came apart in the bad weather on Saturday and then didn't put it back together on Sunday. 
I'm really willing to write that off as the weather. Um, DJ's never been a guy who plays well in bad weather. Uh, and so if you do get good weather here in um, Virginia this weekend, look out. I definitely think he's one to look out for. If distance ends up being a determining factor, he will be near the top of the leaderboard. And if, when you listen to all those comp courses, he was near the best in all of them. And so I just think everything sets up really well for Dustin Johnson this week. I don't think he sets up badly for a bet to win this tournament. Like I think he's a fairly solid outright bet. Um, but there is a guy that I'm more interested in, in DFS and in betting, and that is Cameron Smith. So this is the first live event since he joined the live tour that Cam Smith is not at the top of the board on DraftKings. And I mean, I kind of get why, because Brooks just won the PGA and Dustin just won the last live event. But when you look at what Cam's done recently, he's still been playing some good golf. In his last three live starts, he came in third, sixth, and second. Uh, losing in a playoff to Dustin Johnson at Live Tulsa. And then he had just had a backdoor ninth at the PGA Championship where he really struggled on Thursday, but really put it together over the weekend, really started playing some good golf, started playing what we saw out of Cam Smith when he got it rolling last year, where he was really good on approach. Um, if he did happen to miss the green, he was getting up and down. It's what he does. And then he is an elite clutch putter of the golf ball, just sinking in a lot of birdie putts over the weekend. I really like Cam Smith this week. If it is a true link style layout, it plays to his strengths like we saw at last year's Open Championship at St. Andrews. He can be wild off the tee. It's kind of his weakness is that he's not super long or super accurate off of the tee, but that could end up not mattering this week if there's not really a huge penalty for missing the fairway. And if it does end up playing firm and fast, he's still going to be able to hit to these greens and still going to have the short game chops to get up and down if a lot of other people are missing the greens also. So I definitely really like this setup for Cam Smith. Now, next up is Taylor Gooch, who became the first guy in the history of Live Golf to win back-to-back -back Live events earlier this year, um, but he's been kind of mediocre since those two wins. He followed up with a 36th place finish in his backyard at Live Tulsa. Maybe not his backyard, but he is from the state of Oklahoma, so... Um, yeah, not, not exactly a great homecoming for Taylor Gooch in that one, 36th place out of 48 players. And then he also had an ugly missed cut at the PGA Championship. He was plus 10 when the cut was plus 5. Just two not good starts in those last two. Uh, and to me, um, he's a fade in the betting market, and he's a fade at his price tag on DraftKings. Um, before the two wins, he was outside the top 10 in three straight starts on Live. I just really think that he's a guy who he had his hot streak, he had his moment in the sun, and now he's being back to who we thought he was. You know, not to quote Dennis Green from the legendary press conference there, Google Dennis Green, we are who they thought we were. We thought they were. Yeah. Google that if you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I think Taylor Gooch is who we thought he was. Like, I don't think he's a guy that belongs at the top of this betting board or at the top of this DFS board. Now, one thing I will say, though, I think a lot of people are going to have this sentiment. And so in DFS, we've talked about this numerous times. Just because a guy doesn't set up as a good play doesn't mean he's a bad play in DFS because if he ends up being super low owned, you can get a lot of leverage on the field. And if he does happen to play well, then you're going to end up with a huge edge on everybody who picked, you know, Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson or Cam Smith above him. So I definitely think he's not a bad play in DFS, but he just is not a guy I think is going to win this golf tournament. And he's a guy I would probably not play in DFS with the exception of that ownership leverage. 
Next up is Mito Pereira, who is coming off of an 18th place finish at the PGA Championship. Just a solid outing for Mito all around. Not really any like chance where he was in contention over the weekend, but just a guy who, you know, just played some solid golf. Like it's what you kind of expect from Mito at this point in his career. I think that his game plays well here. He is long and accurate off the tee. And so if it does play firm and fast, he's going to get all of the rollout. He's going to be looking at some really short approaches into these greens, whereas others will not be. And the long par threes on this course kind of harken a little bit back to Southern Hills uh, at the PGA Championship in 2022, where he was the leader through 71 holes. And so I kind of think that's a nice little similarity for Mito. Uh, and he is at a price tag on DraftKings where I expect ownership to be down. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to pay up for Brooks, Dustin, Cam Smith, or Taylor Gooch. And he's going to be kind of left out. And I think he's a little too expensive to be the second guy in to a DFS lineup. Now, speaking of the second guy into a DFS lineup, I think everybody is going to click Bryson as their second guy in. I think everybody's pretty much going to play one of Brooks, Dustin, or Cam Smith, and then click Bryson as the second guy in. It's just what I see happening this week. Bryson is obviously the king of distance in terms of driving the golf ball. Um, I learned watching Liv Tulsa that he is skinny now. I did not see that coming. But what's amazing is that he's skinny and he's still getting the same distance on the golf ball. He's still swinging in the same way that he was three years ago when he was winning golf tournaments and winning US Opens and just looking like a madman doing it. So he is still that same Bryson. He's just skinnier Bryson. So anyway... I think this course sets up really well for Bryson. We talked about the Cave Valley comparison. We talked about how he played at St. Andrews. Like, you know, just a really good setup for him. And he's also got really good recent form. He's got back-to-back top five finishes with a fifth at Live Tulsa and a fourth at the PGA Championship. I think he's a really, really good outright bet to win this golf tournament. And I think he's going to be a super popular pick on DraftKings. And I got to say, I'm kind of willing to play the chalk on this one if he does end up being super high-owned. I think it's a really good setup for Bryson. Peter Uline is next up, um, and he is a guy who just continues to rack up solid finishes in live, uh, and he's a great driver of the golf ball as well. Do not do not get it twisted that like Bryson is the king, but Peter Uline is not far behind him. Peter Uline hits the ball a mile, uh, and so if you do think the distance is um, you know, a determining factor this week, you could go with a little Bryson Uline build at the top, and I think that'd actually be totally viable. So um, definitely another guy to consider, and I think he's a really good pivot play if you want to kind of get some distance, you know, if you think the distance plays a factor, but you don't want to eat the ownership for Bryson DeChambeau, I think Uline makes sense. Um, I think he's a really solid top 10 or top 5 bet for this golf tournament, but I don't know if he necessarily has the upside to go out and win it. Harold Varner III, a.k.a. HV3, is next up, and he's playing some really good golf, y'all. He came in 11th, 8th, and 4th in his last three starts on Live, and then 29th at the PGA Championship. And dating back to uh, his time on the PGA Tour, long par threes are kind of his thing. He was routinely, year in and year out, one of the best um, players on the PGA Tour at long par threes in terms of scoring and strokes gained. So I definitely think that um, that sets up well for him on the scorecard. The recent form sets up really well for him. I have no problem going to HV3 this week in any format. Sergio Garcia just qualified for the U.S. Open on Monday. He had to really get hot on the back nine uh, to finish in the top eight of a qualifier, which I believe was won by Carson Young. Do not quote me on that, but I believe they were in the same qualifier, and I know they both did qualify. So anyway, Sergio had to play some good golf just to do that this Monday. However, I really don't like how this sets up well for him. Uh, His history at the comp courses that I named is um, not great. 
to say the least. Uh, and his performances at Liv have been really up and down. His last three starts have been 11th, 2nd, and 23rd. I don't think he has the upside to win this event, um, so I would not bet him outright. Uh, and I really wish on DraftKings in DFS, I wish he was cheaper. Like, I really think he would make sense to be around the $8,000 mark, but he just seems a little overpriced to me. I wouldn't mind going to him because clearly the guy had to play some good golf this week to win that qualifier, but there's just a whole lot of other red flags on Sergio. Jason Kokrak is next up. He's a guy I really like this week. He has four straight top 11 finishes on live. Um, he is another great driver to the golf ball, kind of like Mito Pereira. He's pretty long and he's pretty accurate. Uh, and then I just kind of think he's a guy that he could give you this flash performance where he does win the golf tournament. Think back to what he did at the Charles Schwab Challenge in 2021 and at the CJ Cup in 2020. He has these weeks where when he really gets it going, he really gets going. Um, so I don't think it would be a bad number to bet on Jason Kokrak to, to win this golf tournament this week. The last guy I would probably bet to win outright is Thomas Peters. Um, he's probably the farthest down the board I would go. He's been 16th and 23rd in his last two live events. And he was 40th at the PGA Championship, but that doesn't tell the full story. He made 15 birdies over the week at the PGA Championship, which is a pretty good amount, right? Like that should have been enough that if he would have just made 15 birdies and just straight 15 bogeys, that would have gotten him in the top 15, right? Like, but but he didn't. He had a lot of bogeys and a few worse than that on the card. Uh, and so I definitely think if he can just kind of piece that birdie making together and avoid bogeys, like... He can give you a really good performance, and he does have legitimate winning upside. So I really think he's a very high-ceiling golfer with that birdie-making ability. And if he can just avoid the big numbers this week, he might be able to put it all together and find his way in the winner's circle. Now, looking further down the board, going to be a little quicker on these guys because, like I said, I don't think I would make an outright bet past Thomas Peters. But Anderbon Lahiri and Brandon Grace are the guys that popped up on a lot of the comp courses, but both have a very mixed bag of recent form. Just kind of know that they're not super predictable golfers, but they do have a good history at the comp courses. Matthew Wolf is overpriced on DraftKings, in my opinion, given his recent finishes on live. But if you're playing into the whole distance narrative, he's still one of the longest hitters of the golf ball on planet Earth, up there with Bryson DeChambeau, up there with Peter Uline. Um, and so if you're just looking to build out a lineup of bombers, hey, have at it with Matthew Wolf. But I still think he's overpriced given what he's shown us on live in the past year. Below the $8,000 mark on DraftKings, you got Sebastian Munoz and Bubba Watson as your bombers off the tee if you're looking to play distance. But to me, if this does play as a true links layout, to me, that just favors all the old European guys that are on live. Guys who have played well in the British Isles at Open Championships and at other DP World Tour events. Guys like Mark Leishman, Henrik Stenson, Richard Bland, Ian Poulter, Charles Schwartzel, Lee Westwood. This could be a time for those guys to shine if it does end up playing more like a true links layout. Of that group, my favorite would probably be Mark Leishman. Um, he is still... You know, he's on the older side, but he does still really get it out there. He does hit the ball pretty far. Um, and so if you're still playing in that distance narrative, which I kind of would, um, he is one of the guys who could still fit that and fit the whole links narrative as well. He kind of fits both of them. Now, Phil Mickelson is going to be popular because it is a live golf event on DFS, uh, and he has pretty much been popular every live event on DFS, no matter how poorly he's playing, just because he's Phil Mickelson, people click him in. And hey, I kind of get it. He made the cut at the PGA, but I just, I don't know. I'm not super sold on him. I kind of rather play, not play a guy who's going to be super high owned and is not super consistent. Um, so he's probably going to be a fade for me this week on DFS. However, when it, you look at value plays here at live, um, it can get really tough at the bottom of the board because what you're looking at is a lot of the guys near the bottom in pricing are pretty much finishing in the 40s 
each week on live, which is just not going to do anything for you, right? Like you really need guys to outperform their price tag in a no cut event. You need guys who are going to score well. Um, and a lot of the guys at the bottom just haven't flashed that potential to do so. One guy who has is Scott Vincent. He's probably going to be one of my favorite value plays of the week. In his last two live starts, he's finished in 16th and 4th, and he has three additional finishes earlier in the calendar year in the top half of the field on live, and he's only $6,900 on DraftKings. They seem to be super slow to update his price for whatever reason, and I kind of think that a lot of people are going to click him in, but I'm kind of okay with it if he just gives you another 16th place finish, right? Like that's all you really can ask for out of a guy who's priced at $6,900. All right, so that does it for all of the golfer profiles for Live DC. Hopefully, you just heard the name of the winner of Live DC somewhere in there. Um, like I said, when it comes to DFS this week, I'm probably going to start out with Dustin or Cam Smith, pencil in Bryson or Uline, and then look to build it out from there. Um, and when it comes to outright winners, I really like Bryson. I really like Cam Smith. And I really like Kokrak and Peters as kind of the dart throws. Those are those are kind of the names I would hone in on this week is, you know, if you're looking to bet an outright winner. All right, so that does it for the Live DC preview. Hopefully, you got whatever information you needed to build out your DFS lineups, to submit your betting cards, whatever it is you needed. If you are a golf junkie like me and you're watching the Charles Schwab Challenge this week as well, Check out the episode feed. Yesterday's episode, we did preview the Charles Schwab Challenge, talked about it for DFS betting and one and done, kind of like how we did on here um, on that podcast as well. And then if you play season-long fantasy football, check the episode feed. We've got our 2023 rookie rankings, and we've got five strategies for winning at best ball drafts. All right, so that does it for this episode, guys. Uh, best of luck to everybody if you're playing DFS or if you're betting on Live DC this week. Um, I will definitely be checking out some of the broadcasts, depending on um, you know the kind of the quality of what ends up happening with Live and the Charles Schwab Challenge. I'm going to be watching both of them. Um, but you know, the last time that Live and the PGA went head to head, I kind of ended up watching more Live Tulsa than the Byron Nelson. So um, we'll see how that works out. But I definitely do plan on watching both these events this week. Um, hopefully, they both turn out pretty good, right? We're, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, hopefully you were able to get some information on here that you're going to be able to use. Best of luck to you this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.